The mother put the porcelain spoon. The mother drew back and poured the little girl back. But the mother did not hear the old voice. The mother. Experience the heartwarming story of a mother's love that knows no bounds, titled The Mother, written by Nobel Prize-winning author Pearl S. Buck. It's a story of love, sacrifice, and the universalism of motherhood that transcends race and borders, told through an account of an unnamed mother living in rural China in the early 20th century. Get the audiobook right now at radio.cgtn.com or any major podcast platform. Simply search for the Books and Beyond podcast and key in the mother. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you join us. College graduation is a milestone in life. It's worth celebrating in terms of individual achievements and parents' support too. What event or moment finally seals the deal for college graduates mentally that makes them realize it's the end of college life and the beginning of another chapter in life? We、we'll、take a look at the joyful experience of college graduation, which should also be a little bit bittersweet. Thus, we bring you the final installment of Beyond the Cap and Gown, our special series that looks at the aspirations and challenges faced by college graduates in China. And we share with you what's made us happy this week in Roundtable's Happy Place. For today's program, I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. First on today's show. College graduation is a tremendous milestone, and it deserves recognition. Congratulations for making this far. For the last four years, or arguably for the last X amount of school years you've endured, this is the day to walk across the stage and solemnly receive your diploma. It's a moment to celebrate with smiling. And tearful farewells, sometimes inspirational commencement speeches, group photos, and other meaningful things to check off the box. So this is kind of stating the obvious, but let's set the table. What makes graduation day a big deal? Well, first of all, I would say graduation is not really an everyday event. It's not something that you get to do every day. And that's a very special moment, especially for those college graduates who are about to enter the workforce, because that could be a watershed moment. You know, when you're about to get the transition into adulthood, because previously you have been spent all those years at school. You know, either in high schools and later in colleges, and now. This is the end, maybe a temporary end for a life in the campus, and it's really time for you to celebrate your educational achievement you have achieved right now. So that deserves extra celebration, and also, as I said, this can also be a transition into adulthood because、mm. you are about to be more self-reliant and independent, and you have to. Face a lot of challenges and also difficulties and also responsibilities that you are about to take, especially when you enter the workforce, and also explore possibilities in life that could be very different from what your parents have gone through. So that's really exciting too. And Josh, what is、um, sort of the vibe of graduation in the UK?、Um, some people would say that Americans like to go. Big with this day, 
<laughs> Which you could say that about anything if you're comparing these super two. Supersize yeah. anything. And in China, <laughs> we do too. To some extent, mm. there's often.、Um, In my opinion, tear jerking music playing, and there's、um, you know just a lot of these、uh, gimmicks and ways to make that moment memorable or whatnot.、Mm. So, Josh, share with us what's your observation? Well, yeah, I think probably comparably speaking, the UK is a little bit more reserved, but I would say that that holds true for quite a lot of our occasions and celebrations. I mean, if you were to take any sort of General celebration in the year, especially compare it to the Americanized version, like Halloween or even something like St. Patrick's Day, compared to England at least or the UK.、Um, not、um, considering Northern Ireland, then I would say that the Americans go bigger, <laughs> and so I think that graduation ceremonies are probably the same. But it's still a huge event in the UK. I know that some countries around the world they have like even a specific song、mm. or. I know that big universities in the UK they will have things that they do, but usually it's a celebration between family and friends. I know in the UK, which is slightly different to some countries, family is a big part of our graduation day. So usually close family will go there with you, take the pictures, get some photographs, and then it's really up to the individual. So sometimes there's parties, but because family. Is so central to that day. I guess the big sort of after party is dependent on who you're there with. For example, when I graduated, I'm from the north of England in Scarborough, and I went to university in London for my undergraduate degree. And so my parents had to go all the way down to London, and so I, I didn't really want to leave them, you know. So afterwards, I, we didn't go that big, and a lot of it was the same for a lot of my classmates. So yeah.、Um, I guess that's it, really. That's a picture of the UK, but some universities are slightly different depending on their history. Yes, I would say you know in China we do share some similarities about how college graduates celebrate their graduation, and as Josh said, I think families are not are involved in those graduation celebration. I mean, important family members will be invited to your graduation ceremony, but then I would say. Graduation celebration is more about, you know, having special moments and a gathering with your classmates, with your friends. I mean, the celebration can last for days,、oh. you know, even before the graduation ceremony, because your academy will just send you those caps and gowns so that you can really take photos inside the campus with your classmates and friends. And then, of course, the graduation ceremony, which your friends, your、uh, family members will be invited to, and then. I would say after the graduation ceremony, usually there will be like a farewell dinner or farewell parties being organized by the university or by your class. Then that's a much more casual moment for you to have chat with your friends, with your classmates, and say goodbye and everything else. Yeah. Well, let's sort of go down the list of what people do、um, when it comes to celebrating their graduation. So. Apparently, one thing that internet users are sharing is that they go on graduation trips. Yes, this is extravagant, in my opinion. I thought it was just the occasion, like two hours done, and that's it. But it goes bigger and more than that. 
Yes, I would say in China, college graduates will just have their graduation trip, and it does not have to be like a big trip. You can just travel inside the country, or maybe simply go to a coastal city so that you can have a leisure time with your friends. But then, you know, recently I noticed that more. High school graduates—they're also taking their graduation trip right after they have finished their 高考 exam or college entrance exam,、mm. because this year you've seen that tourism booking has been surging. You know, since the end of this college entrance examination, and there's data showing that in the first three days after 高考 ended, the number of airplane ticket bookings for people aged 17 to 19. On one of the traveling booking website, tripled compared to the previous week. And also for college graduates, it's also a good time for them to have the maybe the last gathering with their classmates. Oh, that's、and、a bit bittersweet. This was、uh, yes, and also it might also be a good opportunity、mm-hmm. for you to really go outside your comfort zone because for a lot of young people, it might be their first experience to. Book everything, arrange everything all by themselves, and go to a place they have never been to. So it can be like a fresh and a fun experience. Yeah, this reminds me of what I read from a ton of Japanese manga books <laughs> for high school seniors. You know,、uh, going on that trip.、Um, you know, it's magical in a lot of those. Yeah, that's this is probably a stereotype actually, because I don't know if、uh, Japanese high school seniors actually do this. But I mean, if、uh, you do, I mean that's kind of a memorable way to celebrate the graduation.、Um, Josh, the trip idea—are you fond of or not? What are some of the other things also、um, you think might be worthwhile doing with, to signify that well, this is it, college is over. Yeah, I think the trip idea is is nice. I actually one thing that I, has jogged my memory that、mm. I didn't think about is that actually that's quite common in my own country as well. At least after graduation, there's some similarities where friends will go away on a trip together、um, to celebrate, and sometimes that can even be as long as a year. We would call it a gap year,、oh. right? <laughs> yeah,、uh, it depends, and sometimes people do that together. Sometimes, often on their own, and also something quite interesting is that in the UK and in the US, gap years are quite common. One of the reasons for that is because English is our native language, and so it's quite easy, easier for us to travel around the world because we we can speak English, right? So that's definitely a privilege that we enjoy that makes it easier to do that. Anyway, going back to this trip directly connected to graduation, we. We often do that. I did that as well, and that's also just another way, basically, to commemorate. I think that we're talking about commemoration here, and people do that in different ways. But it's basically about gathering and celebrating that time,、um, re- recognizing and validating your experience, I guess, and your work in some way or another.、Um, and people do that in different ways.、Um, partying as well in the United Kingdom, having big parties. After the graduation day, very common as well.、Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I guess the more I talk about it, the more I realize we don't have any、uh, that many traditions in my own country. There's nothing sort of significant and vivid that I can picture other than the graduation photo、mm. that we do.、Um, 
I've, I, are we missing out on this? I, I'm realizing this right now. But you've yeah. also listed so many activities, though. I guess so. Yeah. But it's not a given, you know. It's mm. not something that we know that's what you do, I, I think. Yeah. yeah, and this is actually something I would very much agree with, um, you know, just, just this general position in the whole discussion that is the most important thing is getting your diploma <laughs> when i got my diploma i was beyond you know i was on cloud nine <laughs> that's how happy i was because getting my degree was difficult and i didn't always get like the best of grades so just successfully graduating that's the most important thing and knowing that my parents hard-earned money has it hasn't okay it's paid off initially and then it'll take me years to try to earn that money (laughs) and just thinking about that just shatters dreams no i mean it was just it was so i was beyond happy just to graduate you know so i can totally understand just getting that is the most important thing the rest of the stuff is just having fun i get what you said i mean to have a diploma is a very important part of our college life and that would be a fundamental purpose for a lot of people who attend colleges but the thing is that you know when you are about to enter the phase of college graduation is also about saying goodbye to your friends at school and that's why a lot of people would choose to have graduation trip or even like a farewell dinner to celebrate that moment because after graduation it might be like you and your friends will be located in different cities because previously you come from different cities and counties all over the country and now after graduation maybe you will just go back to your hometown or you simply would just take different paths so that means maybe you will be like drifting apart since the graduation ceremony so you know that's why some people would want some special moments to be shared with their friends simply to you know stay that moment mm. for a little longer and to have more time to say goodbye and to express their best wishes yes and some of your friends will drift apart with you in terms of friendship but some of these college classmates that you have you will have them for life so Another slightly bittersweet <laughs> fact, I suppose. And this is one thing I find to be kind of special in China, that the school would sometimes give graduates specially designed gifts to mark the occasion. Yes, I would say, you know, universities nowadays, they are having much better designs in terms of giving those graduation gifts because you know i remember the only gift i received from my academy was a portable charger you know with (laughs) the name of my university and uh, also the school printed on that charger it's a very useful and practical gift Mm -hmm. but i mean nowadays you you can (laughs) you can see that universities are giving much better gifts i mean for example you know beijing university of technology has come up with an exclusive graduation gown as a special offering for every graduate and uh, the, the college's emblem along with the year of establishment and also the year of this student graduation year 
are all printed on the nameplate of the gown. So that has some special meaning for each graduate. And then there's graduation ring coming from Jilin University. And also very special gift, I would say, from Northwest A&F University, which is a top college in the field of agriculture research in China. This university, you know, sent an edible treat as a gift to his graduate that's fruit platters and gift boxes and uh, it's kind of the latest scientific research accomplishments by this college so it's a useful and is edible that's very fun so these are all the special gifts you know from their universities and colleges we are observing right now. Yeah, and there's this other really practical gift I really want to share with you guys that is from the University of Shanghai for science and technology. It gave graduates a screwdriver set. Get your hands dirty, graduates. So basically, yeah, uh... Whoa, and one graduate read deep into this. This person said, I believe our university wants students to remain grounded, just like a screw. So basically, I think this is playing along that um, idea of being a cog in the machine. And mm -hmm. therefore, why can't you? All right. So yeah, just stay grounded and do your hard work, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so Josh. What you think about these gifts? And I assume you don't need to pay for them, right? Uh, of course. Yeah. So it's all included in the tuition and everything. And uh, <laughs> what do you think? Somewhere in the small print at the beginning <laughs> of your course. Um, yeah. I mean, I quite like the screwdriver set. I mean, I I like tools. I like. DIY, you can fix your so. bike with that. Yeah. I, I guess one thing that's quite common in my own country, which I have received, is a mug. You get yeah, a mug. A mug. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. I bought a hoodie, so that's probably different. So, yeah. Yeah. And Mugs, hoodies, especially Oxford University does really well with its hoodies. Like, you see people wearing those all the time, and they yeah, but didn't isn't go to it Oxford. A you know? bit, they make yeah. a lot of money from that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't it kind of a little bit like a slap in the face when you're not from there and then you wear their hoodie? Nah. Nah. Yeah. I mean, it's good they don't branding. Mind. They don't mind. It's, 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 it's only adding to their prestige and their value. I mean, I would say stop buying them <laughs> in general yeah, for that reason. <laughs> yeah. And apparently some internet users and college graduates share that there's another possibly routine for some people that upon graduation there might be a breakup it's like let's start this thing new um bracing the real world and finding a love interest once you leave college so how common is that yeah i would say that's a very common part of huh. graduation here in china and i guess also in other countries um you know cute couples and they spend like lovely time inside the campus during college time and then when it gets to the graduation ceremony maybe it's time to really consider whether your relationship can proceed or not and unfortunately there is like literally a study you know trying to research on this subject which shows that about 13 percent 
of college relationships that lasted were formed between students from the same institution, that's from the United States. And most data claim that only one in three people find their forever person on their university campus. So that means two in three, they have to experience that breakups upon graduation. And I guess it makes sense because a lot of people are not really that serious in terms of the university or college relationship. And especially, you know, as I said, maybe upon graduation, you and your partner might experience a lot of changes in terms of life circumstances. First of all, you might be physically or geographically in different cities or different locations. So that just make it even more challenging to really nurture your relation in the long term. And also for a lot of people who are about to enter the workforce, of course, they have to spend most of their energy and time in their career progression, which just leave very little room for their relation. So that could also bring an end to their college relation. Yeah. But also, if that relationship sustains, and if it started from college when you're all innocent, when you don't have so many other more practical factors to consider in life, maybe that is the perfect way to start a relationship. So Josh, what do you think of it? Are college relationships doomed? Well, I, I certainly think that it's a challenge. And I think that the challenge exists really in the challenge of that massive jump from college life to outside college life or real life, if you like. And I think that you really form, it's such a formative time for everybody. You really start to know yourself more, most people anyway. I think people start to realize what they like. Their friendship groups end up being a lot stronger because they bond with people more over interest rather than just situational like when you're in high school and it's a very easy place to fall in love with somebody i think and form a strong relationship in that context but then carrying that on into a working life i imagine in china it's very difficult given how much people travel and how large the country is and mm. how many long distance relationships exist and the intensity of work so it's a real challenge i and I think the challenge exists in my own country as well, sadly. But it's not always like that. I have met people and I know people who have met at university and continued their relationship. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I don't know if it's a sad truth. I guess it's a bit sad, but, you know, um, that's just that's just life, really. When you have big change in your life, it can affect everything, including love. Yes, indeed. And also, um, we become very different people often, you know, when you think of yourself in your uh, 20s, and then maybe in your 30s, if you're this old already. And I, I would assume a lot of people just become very different people. And that's why it's really hard for long term relationships anyway, you know, and, and for marriage as well, because for two people to stay together, you got to be compatible, enjoy each other's company. And along the way, both of you are changing. So how can you evolve, grow in a similar rate and also in a fashion that both of you accept each other. I think that's a real challenge in life this way. So 
yeah, good luck, you know, if you can stay together. And and also, as someone who's worked in the uh, real world for more than a decade now, I would still say that this is something I didn't realize. That is, when you're in college, I mean, it's a great place for dating. Because <laughs> it's never will you ever be mingling with so many people that are eligible of a similar age and um, it's a great place for relationships and hopefully finding somebody nice anyway aside from that what are some of the other things that folks would like to do you know at this period of time before they march onto the next stage well, as we mentioned, taking graduation photos, wearing your cap and gown is a typical traditional way of celebrating your college graduation. And actually, you know, you know, when I do the research, I do find there's like a little interesting story about why college graduates wear a robe and an unusual hat and why is that a symbol you know of having finished school you know this actually can be traced back to the origins of the first european universities which were founded by clergy in the 12th and 13th century and at that time the gowns and hoods worn by students signified their religious status you know making them different from other people in the town which they studied so that's the origin of wearing a cap and a gown to show you are finally come to this stage and that's where we got our idea for the title of this special series we've been sharing with you this whole week beyond the cap and gown yeah well there's nothing more beautiful than finding your course in life your path is your character defining itself more and more every day like a photograph coming into focus and that's what you do after graduation Stick around, everybody. We'll be back after this break. From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, Income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance, and principles. You can follow the stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms.
Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Li Yi in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, we share with you our listeners' responses to our special series, Beyond the Cap and Gown. Also, wealthy Chinese parents are shelling out for private family tutors, paying tens of thousands of yuan per month, so an educational professional guides their children with personalized service. If this private tutor is hired to spend more time with the kids than parents do, what impact does it have on the parent-child relationship? Is it outsourcing important parts of parenting to an outsider? And we share with you what we've heard, what we've seen, what we've enjoyed. Essentially, what's made us happy in Roundtable's Happy Place. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. We love that you listen to the show, and we want to hear from you. Your observations, questions, and comments are all appreciated. We read every single email and listen to every single voice memo you send us. You can reach us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Your voice could be featured in the show in our heart to heart segment. Now. Our listener Elk wants to share some thoughts about her beyond the cap and gown experience. Hello, Roundtable. I'm Elk, and firstly, I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported and accompanied me throughout this journey. And I also want to thank myself for being able to keep going and keep pursuing my dream. In this journey, these four years of college life allowed me to learn a lot. It was the first time I stood in front of many people to deliver a speech, and it also the first time I traveled with my roommates. And we have gone through the tough times of the epidemic, and we also hope for a bright future for everyone. And lastly, I. Also want to say thank you for Roundtable that accompanied me for almost two years, and I will keep listening. And thank you very much. Thank you so much, Elk. We hope that we can continue to accompany you for the next leg of your journey. And also, we have comments from our listeners on Weibo. Here's one from Yuesa Qingteng. Uh, who left a comment on our CGTN Radio page saying, "Studying and learning is boundless, and life is long. So please experience as much as you can." And that's a nice way to put it. Well, do you guys have some comments to our listeners for the end of this special series? Thank you for your calling, and good luck with everything.、Um... It's quite nostalgic to hear people talk about this day because I think that all of us can remember that day, including myself. And I love this idea of lifelong learning as well, and taking this methodology, if you like, this attitude going forward, and seeing everything as an opportunity to learn and embrace yourself, learn about yourself,、um, and find happiness. So, good luck with everything. I think, from what I've heard, it sounds like. You're you're on the right track, and yeah, all the best. 
it has been a very refreshing experience for me to, you know, get engaged in this very special series to really look at how college graduates are either celebrating their graduation or how they're facing their, you know, job market difficulties and everything else. It has been a very remarkable journey for me also. And also, I particularly love the idea that appreciating yourself, because that's a very important part, you know, to be remembered, because after years of dedicated study, hard work and personal growth, you deserve a thank you from yourself. And also good luck. The future mm -hmm. is all yours. Yeah, the world is your oyster. And now let's move on to the next topic of today's discussion. Chinese parents value education. They go to great lengths in providing the best education they can afford for their kids. Now, wealthy and busy parents have created a live-in family tutor job position which pays tens of thousands of yuan per month, sometimes even as much as 80k or more than 11,000 US dollars for personalized education. The job, called 儿童成长陪伴师, which literally means child growth companion refers to a private tutor who provides tailored support and care to children in their overall development and growth. So what's expected or what is written in the job description of this, may I say, new type of family tutor? Um, I would say that's a very comprehensive definition because, you know, when talking about family tutors, not really like a standard tutor who teaches specific discipline, you know, at home or at school, or like a nanny who takes care of the children in almost every aspect of their life. So basically, the living private tutor or living family tutor is an education professional who works closely with families and also would also provide a very comprehensive academic guidance and also emotional support to children within the familiar setting of a child's home. And usually the, the tutoring target is an underage child, especially those during their formative years, like zero to eight years old. And uh, what does this job requires them to do could just vary from family to family. So it's quite a personalized experience or personalized position. For example, there is one case, um, a lady surnamed Zhang in her 29 years old. She got her master's degree and she has graduated from a prestigious university in the UK. And she is currently a living private tutor for an eight year child in Beijing. And uh, her daily duties include drive the kid to school and pick up the kid after school and also offer guidance to the kid's schoolwork, update with the kid's parents about the kid's academic progression and study plan, and also offer psychological help to make sure, you know, the child's emotional well-being and also plan the kid's academic learning and other skills and also practice oral English with the kid. That's a very comprehensive set of skills. And for that job, she can earn 30,000 yuan per month. That's about over 4,000 US dollars. That's quite a lot of sum of money, I would say. Yes. And one thing stands out to me, that is, she's not teaching the kid. The kid still needs to go to school. Yes. So, all right. Well, Josh, what do you think? Well, to be honest, I'm not surprised by how much they're getting paid. And I know that these 
VIP super tutors can get paid a lot more than that, actually. And I think that these days, parents are willing to pay that kind of cash and a lot more to get their kid ahead, right? Uh, in any way, you know, in any academic field or just more holistically, like a lot of this education is quite holistic, right? And is including various academic disciplines or, you know, a lot of the time it's language-based. I know that English tutoring, just having a tutor that is speaking English to the student all of the time, putting them in that environment can also um, be quite lucrative. So this story isn't particularly surprising to me. Um, maybe that's because I know a lot of people that tutor in mm -hmm. China, um, given that I'm also a foreigner here from the UK. Um, and yeah, so I know that it seems quite amazing, but I think that this has existed for quite some time, to be honest. After reading some of these personal stories of tutors who engage in this kind of service, um, one might think, I'm in the wrong profession. Should I try do this instead? It pays yep. so much better by the sound <laughs> Tell of me it. About it. <laughs> but also when you look at what these parents want, actually it might be a more difficult job than what it perceives to be at first glance. Mm. For example, okay, first of all, you need to have the shiny diploma. Yes. Yeah, for, yep. for yep. you need to be a graduate from the top universities as such. And also don't forget, you're supposed to offer emotional support, psychological guidance to a little kid. How many um, professionals are qualified really to do that? Also, you have the busy and rich parents who paid up, who expect top-notch service. And you also need to communicate with the grown-ups, which, you know, these parts already can be quite difficult, I think. So, um, Lee, what do you think are sort of the uh, bright side and also maybe the more difficult aspect of doing this job? Well, I think, first of all, what you mentioned is actually a very important factor that make this living private tutor different from other regular family tutor because you know when you look at those job descriptions and also media reports about this new type of role a highlight word would be companion so that means when parents are hiring this kind of living private tutor they're expecting this person could not only offer professional academic help but also emotional help and other help in the life of this kid that he or she might need in all the aspects. So I would say one major reason that this kind of road is in huge demand, if we can say that is a lot of parents, especially those super wealthy parents, they can be super busy in daily life. So they want someone to accompany their, their child and also to keep an eye on their child to make sure their child is not only like thriving academically, but also in their personal life. And that person could just help their kid to solve all the problems that the kid might just face, maybe like a psychological uh, issue, or maybe like some thing from the school mm. that they want someone to give advice to. So yeah, we don't feel that we're that qualified yes. now anymore, huh? <laughs> And yeah. Josh, as we're looking at some of the material in Chinese, um, just getting ready for the show, um, I saw that one of these uh, tutors said that her client or, or the mom of her client basically said that, please come up with a personalized strategy plan for the 
interview of the kid who's going to attend is it junior high school or something and mm-hmm. basically uh to go to that particular prestigious school and the tutor has to come up with something that is tailor-made for mm-hmm. this kid so the kid can get in that's a lot of pressure you know and then um also aside from that the parents expect the tutor to be able to answer all these difficult questions from kids if they don't like get along with other kids or uh, at school or, or whatnot you, you need to come mm-hmm. up with answers so josh yep. would, would you consider going for that job <laughs> well i i have considered it in the past and it is challenging and there's a lot to it and there's a massive industry specifically for what you mentioned which is getting students ready for a variety of entrance exams interview preparation mm. that's a massive industry especially for students going to the USA. Um, that's quite a big difference between the UK and the US actually is, is that in the US, a lot of prestigious universities have face-to-face interviews. So there's a big industry there. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of pressure. I think that the parents expect a lot. And if you look at how much money they're willing to pay for this, one could argue that it's fair. Um, I think that having uh, an effective teaching method, pedagogy and all of these things to help the student achieve those goals is is pretty reasonable, I think, to be honest, given how much money they're getting paid. And you're quite right that although all of these things we think, well, I could do that. But the problem is, is that when you take into consideration all the various things that you need to have, the student is also an individual and may have their own individual issues, their strengths and weaknesses. And then on top of that, you have to meet all of the prerequisites, not to mention if you're even the right looking candidate sometimes or you're from or you have the correct obviously academic qualifications not to mention the right experience if you put all of these things together how many candidates are actually qualified very very few i think while i know this job can be really demanding in terms of the candidate's educational background or his or her experience but i mean my only question is that isn't that all those work is supposed to be the work that kids' parents should be doing because a lot of things like planning the academic life of this kid and also to try to get advice to this kid and also offer psychological help. You know, for me, that's pretty much the responsibility of a parent. So we are seeing that those you know wealthy parents, they are looking for replacement of mm-hmm their parental role by hiring, you know, or by offering very expensive offer to hire professional, quote unquote, professional ones. But I mean, for kids, do they really need those kind of help from a stranger instead of their parents? That's a really good question. Well, what effect do you think it has on children when Mm. who they look for care and support and unconditional love might not be there. And also, when you think about this, um, what about parents, you know, when you have a child, or now maybe multiple children, okay, it's it's probably easier said than be done. I don't mean to judge, but um, shouldn't someone think about, you know, how much time you have to spend with the kid once it arrives? Because it's not like you can, you know return it so but 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 it's probably Um, easy but you can never be like fully prepared 
uh, to be a parent either, you know. So when is really prepared, like two hundred percent prepared, you know? It's a tough one. So yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, I think that probably I would answer this something that you alluded to is that I don't think anybody can ever be fully prepared to be a parent, and situations will change by the minute. And I think that uh, there's never a right time really to have a child. And I personally, I think. The most important thing is to have a loving environment, right? I, I'm not sure if there's anything more that you can do. I'm sure you can do a lot more, but that's definitely the most important thing, in my opinion. Um, and when it comes to the question of whether hiring a tutor like this, uh, a family tutor that's so involved in basically the parenting as well, right, of the kid, is that a good or a bad thing? I think it depends on the situation because I would also argue that when kids go to school that whether we like it or not there's a degree of parenting guidance I mean they're not your parents but I think there's a lot of guidance I think these things cross over with teaching in school as well um so I mean how much is too much mm. I, I don't know the answer to this question I don't have a family myself I don't have my own kids so I don't like to even speculate on the difficulties I feel that it's unfair of me to do so but I think that it's quite a difficult question to answer, to be honest. That's also another tricky point,、um, you know, in this living private tutor issue. Because, as you said, Josh, maybe you can just send your kid to the school, and you can, you know, rely on those teachers to offer sort of like teaching plus parenting responsibility. But then, I mean, at schools, you got a whole well-established system of. Of checking the background of the teachers, but now we are talking about living private tutors. So that's so there remain like problems that、uh, candidates would just、uh, provide like fake resume or CV to, only to get that job offer. They are not really that qualified to take this job. However, they want really that job, so they just、uh, you know make up about their educational background or the skills they have. So that also raises concerns of, about this very new type of job position, and also there is discussion about whether should we call it as an industry if it has become a new industry, a new trend. Should we have certain regulation on that because we're relying on like family members to do the background checking, which can be not so reliable and which can also cause like negative effect for the children's development. Yeah, just sending your kids in the hands of any institution, stranger, whoever that claims to be a professional, I think is some is a big decision. And also, I don't know how big of a trend this is, but certainly at certain hiring agencies.、Um, They have these job postings, and they have also candidates that could possibly fill those job spots. And especially when pay seems to be so lucrative, it's going to attract people. And in terms of standard,、um, that's that's a good thing to consider. But I don't see it coming out anytime soon because. 
this is probably still the demand of a relatively small number of wealthy families. But if you look at the existence of the governess or some of these family tutors, they've existed for many, many years um, internationally, you know, for these super wealthy families. Um, and, and you've seen that sometimes if it's an individual that's raised by let's say a nanny as opposed to the mom and then they would grow this very fond and close attachment mm-hmm. to the nanny and yes. that's inevitable so you know is that something that the mom would be willing to give away to you know an ind- another individual I-, I think that's something to to be considered of course coming up next roundtable's happy place Delivery, delivery, delivery. What is it? Happiness from Round Table. Lee, what's your happy place this week? I want to share a piece of news that really strikes me. New study finds that dolphin moms use baby talk when communicating with their coughs. It's something we human beings do do and i think that's very cute you know when we especially parents speak to infants or small children we tend to use a very different tone or pitch from the style we might just use when talking to adults Mm. i mean we may use higher than usual pitch and slower speech rate could be very stretchy and also exaggerated intonation and we just naturally do that when we are talking to a cute baby or child And this way of communicating with babies is actually called infant-directed speech or mother-reads. So this is a real thing. And it turns out that dolphin mothers also use this kind of high-pitched baby talk. And that's according to a latest study published on June 26th, which finds that female bottlenose dolphins change their tone when addressing their babies, and researchers recorded their signature whistles of 19 mother dolphins during catch-and-release events near a bay in in Florida, and uh, the whistles they recorded show the sounds dolphin moms used to address babies have significantly higher maximum frequencies and wider frequency ranges. And according to the co-author of this study, it has been well documented that dolphins are capable of vocal production learning, which is actually a key aspect of human communication. And now this new study is another evidence showing similarities between dolphins and humans. And also dolphin is not the only animal that uses this baby talk, you know, like uh, other species like female bass and adult male zebra would also use that baby talk when addressing their babies. Mm -hmm. So basically, I would say that's very cute, first of all, and then to acknowledge, you know, the similarities between humans and animals, I think can really help establish and raise awareness of animal protection because when we know animals can can also have their emotions and have similar activities behaviors like our human beings we tend to you know want to learn more about them and also have those awareness of creating a safer environment for them so that's my happy place very nice does that mean that uh zebra fathers would take up more of the child-rearing duties 
That Just makes a question. sense. That makes sense. I would say. Do they have family tutors <laughs> <laughs> and pay extra? <laughs> But you're right.、Um, the ability to personify animals in a way it can, you know, raise awareness. At least make people feel that、mm. oh, there's a connection、yes. towards these beings and creatures、Very、that、true. don't speak our own language, kind of thing. And Josh, what's your happy place? Well. As you guys know, I love football very much. I would say, after music and roundtable, my third love is probably playing football or soccer, as people say in many countries in American English. And recently, our season finished, and I actually received an award at our award ceremony.、Wow. And the award was、um, Team Player Award. That's the award that I got, the Team Player Award. Congratulations! Now, now the story is. More complex though, because every the team player award is the award that everyone in the team votes for for the player who's contributed most to the club, right? So that might be on the pitch,、um, and it's also off the pitch as well. And I do a lot for my football team, the Chaoyang Park Rangers. And、Ooh. the thing is, though, is that I found out that actually the captain of my team was the one who received the most votes. Not myself,、oh. but he used his captain's vote, which is two or three votes. I'm not sure, however many, to tip the balance in my favour、oh. because I was, I guess, second place, and he didn't want to receive the award. And at first, hearing this, I felt quite annoyed、mm-hmm. because I thought it was one person, one vote, right? And I, <laughs> and I, and I thought that he should win it,、um, but. Then I guess we bonded over this and laughed about it a little bit. And although this award is just a piece of glass and wood、um, that I, I will take with me or otherwise recycle, it reminds me of of him actually. And I laugh at the award because it's meaningless. It's just an inanimate object. But it reminds me of my friendship with him, and I think that's just so much more. So、um, that's my happy place for this week. And that's、uh, the kind of happy place that makes you chortle a little bit, but it's <laughs> <laughs> a good <laughs> one. <laughs> good one. And my happy place this week is an American TV drama series called The Bear. The dramedy stars Jeremy Allen White, who you might know as Lip from the American version of Shameless. He plays. The character Carmi, a fine dining chef who takes over his family's beloved but troubled Italian beef sandwich shop in Chicago, following the death of his brother. Why I love this show? Just the right balance of sugar and acid. None of that American corn syrup. Sacrenity, and it's not a chill hang of a show. That's not as you know the kids say. <laughs> A vibe. You don't fold your laundry watching this show. Quickly into the first episode, I was like, I need a diazepam. And what I didn't expect from the show、uh, about the survival of a restaurant—that's what it is. It is so incredibly intense. Clashing egos, long hours, unhealthy stress, running a restaurant—some of it kind of reminds me of what we do. But not even though you are in the woods, strong relationships grow from shared trauma is being portrayed on the show. This is demanding to watch, but it's demanding in the best way, and、uh, it feels for such an authentically messy show. 
It's about wrestling order out of chaos with sweat and blood and hard work and healing from the grief of loss. And the first season is so great. Everybody is amazing on the show. Every episode is only less than like 30 minutes. And season two of The Bear is out now. My plan is to binge it over the weekend to prolong my happy place. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Josh and Lee Yi, for joining the discussion. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time.